0: Hi there, this is Pastor Aaron of Fairview Cornerstone Baptist Church and we pray that through the preaching of God's word that you were encouraged and pointed to Christ, our glorious Savior. If you have any questions or comments, uh, you can find us at www.fairviewcornerstone.com and uh, please write to us. We'd love to uh, hear any questions or comments. We pray the Lord encourage you through this sermon. So Romans 3, and uh, we're going to start reading at verse 21. So if you want to stand with me, please, as we read from the Word of God together. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome, Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So the grass withers and the flower fades. Amen, the word of our God remains. Let us go to the Lord in prayer once more Ask for His help now as we look at His Word, Lord God in heaven. We acknowledge that You are the the Sustainer, Lord, and the Creator of all things, Lord. That uh, every day is is a gift from You, Lord. And I know that we are often guilty of forgetting that in our busyness. And Lord, uh, we just pray that You would help us to give thanks and Lord to to uh, look to You for strength in times of. Of uh, darkness and times of weakness, Lord, that we would cast ourselves upon you as the rock of ages, and Lord, that we would find in you this great assurance that we have that we are not to look to our own strength, Lord, to clear ourselves before you, but we are to look to the finished work of Christ and by faith to trust in his sufficiency, in his goodness and Lord, in his righteousness, and I pray that that would happen in our hearts. Lord, for those who are already looking to Christ, that there would be an increase of faith, and Lord, an increase of trust in you and and thankfulness for what you've done, and for those that have not, Lord, that you would cause them to see the emptiness of their own uh, strength, the emptiness of their own merit before you, Lord, and that they would flee to the cross for the first time and receive Christ this morning. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. As I said, we're going to be stepping out of Luke for just a little bit, and part of the reason of that is uh, a historical reason. I honestly am am not. uh, I was never a a huge fan of history in school, but uh, something that I've increasingly grown in interest in history over the years is because as you begin to understand that God is the God of history is the boys' uh, one little book put it, that history is his story. Uh, God is the one orchestrating. He is the one working in the midst of history. And, and, uh, and so this year, I, um, I don't know, some of you are probably aware of, this year actually marks uh, 500 years uh, since kind of the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, a, a major historical event in our history that has shaped Christianity uh, since then. And um, And so I uh, thought we'd look a little bit at uh, some church history, and uh, please don't yawn. Uh, As I said, as you begin to understand that we are, as we look back in history and see things happen, not only in the scriptures, but in in, uh, more recent history, we are witnessing God's own hand, His providential work for our benefit, um, that we finish this race and that we understand what Christ has done. And so... um, 500 years ago, um, one of the events that, that marked this Protestant Reformation, as I'm sure many of you have heard about, uh, an Augustinian monk named Martin Luther uh, nailed his 95 theses to the castle door of Wittenberg. To He was hoping to correct some teachings he saw in the Roman Catholic Church that were straying from the Scriptures, and uh, he had no idea that this act was going to spark a tremendous move of God and a restoration of the gospel of truth. In many ways, um, and that happened in 1517. And uh, like any major historical event, there is lots of controversy around it. And so uh, I, I don't, I don't uh, want to. You know, pretend that some of these events were without struggle, were without problems, were without sin. Um, uh, even as a Baptist pastor, I'm very aware that uh, in that day, uh, myself, along with other Anabaptists, would have been persecuted because of the rebaptizing. And, uh, and yet, in the midst of all of maybe some of the tensions or the struggles that we might have, I think we can acknowledge that God has, has worked throughout history to preserve the gospel, and when the gospel, the, the free grace of God through Jesus Christ, when that message is shrouded in darkness, God has a way of bringing it back into the light for the sake of His people. And... Uh, Even this past summer, the the boys with the uh, the homeschool group went to the Dunvegan historical sites, and you can go through the old buildings there. And uh, the one building, you know, there's the church there, uh, the Catholic church, and there's the building where the the priest would have lived with uh, those who worked with him. And on the wall, there was this picture that was uh, some kind of catechism. And what it was is, according to the Catholic faith, uh, they had the line that was leading to heaven, uh, and then they had the, the other side, the path that was leading to eternal destruction. And once in a while on the path, you would see somebody crossing from the, the path leading to eternal life, crossing over to the path of destruction. And, and uh, I looked, and, and sure enough, there was Martin Luther going over, I think it was uh, with Gandhi or something, crossing over to the side of destruction. And so you know that, that even these events... Um, even from those who would disagree with the message, acknowledge the significance of what happened in those days. And so uh, what I wanted to do over the next few weeks was just take, there's five statements that really uh, came out of this time. It wasn't that they originated in this day. There are truths and doctrines that the apostles taught, that Christ taught, that the Early church fathers like Polycarp, who would have been discipled by John the Apostle, Polycarp. You know th- these men taught these things, but they were uh, they were restated um, during this time of awakening. And uh, so, these five statements you may have heard them referred to as the five solas. Um, you have uh, Scripture alone. Uh, you have faith alone. Grace alone. Christ alone and to the glory of God alone. You have these five solas they've called, coming from the the Latin word which just means alone, um, these statements that really help to kind of capture what are we talking about when we're talking about what it means to be Christian, what it means to be Protestant, what it means to, to, um, to be born again. These can be very helpful in understanding what sets us apart from the, maybe the Roman Catholic faith or maybe uh, a cult like the Mormon faith or the Jehovah's Witness faith. A lot of times when I'm talking with people from another faith, I, I refer to the, some of these key statements um, because if you test them on almost any one of them, you will quickly find that there is a major difference for example, you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness and you say, okay, do you acknowledge that the Scripture alone is the authority of God, that it is the revelation of God to His people? And it's like, well, no, you see, we had this prophet and his, uh, you know, Russell Taz, Russell, Russell Taze, and, and he had some insight, and when you talk to a Mormon, is the Scripture alone your final authority? No, you see, we have this other book that Joseph Smith received from God, the Book of Mormon, and immediately you begin to see there's this vast difference. And you can just work your way down, faithfully. Do you believe that it is by our faith alone that we come to receive salvation? Well, no, you see, faith is part of it, but you also have to um, contribute to that faith with your own works. And so these statements, uh, as I hope you see over the next few weeks, can be very helpful. And um, as I said, it's not that they were something new as far as the doctrines, Um, you know, Martin Luther didn't invent them, but as he studied the scriptures in the original languages, he began to understand uh, what justification was, what the place of the scripture should have in the life of the church. And um, without going into uh, too much background, if you know the story, uh, he was uh, a, a student of law, and he was planning on going into law as his father had desired and after almost being struck down in a lightning storm, he told God, and I believe prayed to a saint at that time, as he would have as a Catholic, uh, that, that if he would be spared, that he would go into uh, becoming a monk. And so that's what he did. But for years and years, he labored to become righteous before God, that he would earn his righteousness, that he would prove himself righteous. And after much frustration, um, he realized that he can't, and it was the Book of Romans as he was reading in some of the original languages, began to understand what justification was. It wasn't something that we earn. It was something we receive from God by faith in Jesus Christ, and um, and so it was an amazing work of God. And as a result of that, he began just. Teaching justification by faith alone. They began teaching the place of the Scriptures, and and, and a mighty work of God began um, as the gospel was recovered. So just keep in mind that as you finish reading the Scriptures, God's work in history does not finish. It's not as though we close the Bible and, and God stops working. He has continued to work from the time of the apostles. He's continued to work through the, the, the early years of the, the church. He's continued to work uh, throughout all of history. Even today, he is still at work. And his primary work is that people would come to know Christ, would come to see him as sufficient, and would come to give God glory as redeemed sinners. And yes, history is messy. The Bible history is messy. I mean, you read through kings, you read through Samuel, you read through judges, and it is messy because we're talking about sinners. We're talking about people like us who, who are still dealing with, with sin, and so there is conflict and there is error and there is, uh, there is abuse and there is heresy, and, and all of these things are there, but in the midst of it, we see God working and moving and... Um, and so while I'm, I'm grateful of my, my, the, the, the Baptist heritage um, and uh, you know, I, I believe that the, the believer's baptism is important, I'm also very grateful for men like Martin Luther, whom God has used to restore some of the foundational works and teachings of the gospel. And, uh, and even before, before we just look at what is this justification by faith, Uh, there's men like John uh, Wycliffe or John Huss that even years before began pointing out some of these errors that we cannot be saved by our merit, that we cannot buy people out of purgatory, that the Pope does not have the final authority, but rather the scriptures. And some of them, many of them died. Uh, John Wycliffe, uh, he lived and, and died of natural causes, but after they continued to look at what he was writing in his teaching, they actually dug up his bones and burned them and threw his ashes into the river as a declaration that that he was not uh, approved by the church of that day. And so, naturally, I think we would have started with Scripture alone. Um, But this morning, I want us to think about faith alone uh, as the first of these five great statements and um, part, of, part of the reason is in light of last week we looked at the, the man who came to Jesus and was healed from his leprosy and uh, as a powerful illustration of faith in Christ and uh, receiving from him and so uh, we will just see how it goes, some of them might be one week some might take two weeks and uh, we'll just uh, go through them as, as uh, clearly and, and uh, helpfully as we can so justified by faith alone uh, this morning. What does that mean? Uh, what does it mean that, that we stand as Protestants, as, as uh, evangelicals? I mean, even these terms today become so ambiguous. It's hard to know what they mean sometimes. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be evangelical? What does it mean to be Protestant? Uh, one of the key Doctrines of the Protestant faith, in fact, one of the the, the make-or-break issues uh, for Martin Luther, even at that time, was this issue, uh, answering this question, how can unrighteous sinners be made right with God? How is it that we, as unclean people, can be made clean before a holy God? And the way that you answer that question will determine if you are uh, thinking about this issue as a Christian or as a pagan. And the the answer is is beautifully, uh, concisely put in this statement, by faith alone. That is a, a foundational doctrine of the Christian faith and so it is answering this question, how can we be made right with God? Uh, we, we see, um, as uh, Paul Washer pointed out, that the greatest problem in the Scripture um, for us as humans is not necessarily even the wrath of God or His, his anger against sin. Uh, we, we think of these things as, as the bad news, but really for sinners— who are guilty, the bad news is God is good, God is righteous, God is holy. Because a a criminal who is going into a courtroom where he knows the judge is just and he knows that he is guilty, that is a major problem. How can he escape? How can he not be condemned? That is what this statement is answering. And so, uh, Protestants through the ages, um, Christians from the apostles to today have answered, how can man be made right with God? We are made right with God by faith alone in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's really the, the essence of, of what it is. Now, you may ask, um, faith? I mean, we use these phrases. An atheist will talk about faith. Uh, they, will, they will uh uh, use faith to a degree. Um, it's just not in connection to salvation or to Christ or to God. We use these words, but what does it really mean that, that we have faith? Um, we use words like love in the same way, and, and, they, and they can start to, to, to lose their meaning. So I want us to look a bit this morning at really what does this word faith mean, um, and, and, and how does it work in this process of, of justification before God? Now, this isn't just boring, dry doctrine. Sometimes we think theology. Nah, I'll leave that. Um, As uh, John Piper stated, he said, Getting the good news about Jesus right is a matter of life and death. It is the message by which you are being saved, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.2. So if we get these wrong... It's not just that we're going to fail some theological test in Bible school. It's not just that we you know, might um, you know, maybe miss a few blessings in this life. It's that we will actually jeopardize the salvation of our soul and the souls of those of whom we witness. We must understand the importance of doctrines like this justification by faith alone. And uh, we can see that Paul, even in Romans 3 as we read, this was foundational for Paul. You could argue that in many ways the, book of, the entire book of Romans was written so that the Christians would understand how faith is the way in which we are united to Christ. It's not through our natural lineage. It's not through our works. It's not through the obedience to the law that we are united to Christ. Paul wants us to understand that the righteousness of God must come through faith In Jesus Christ, and it is as men like Martin Luther, or we could talk of John Huss, or Wycliffe, or we could talk of the Apostle Paul himself. We could talk of any number of men and women that have encountered this truth. That it is by faith, it transforms the way you see everything. Your relationship to God uh, is 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 resting upon how you understand uh, your righteousness before him. Just a little bit so you you hear, um, as Martin Luther came to understand these things, um, he said of his own conversion, he said that when I discovered that, speaking of, The righteousness that comes from God by faith. He said, when I discovered that, I was born again of the Holy Ghost, and the doors of paradise swung open, and I walked through. And is that not the case, that as we begin to understand our salvation, our righteousness before God, our our, uh, cleansing from our sin is of God by faith, that that it is as though paradise itself opens to us and we are called to walk through and stand in the goodness of that truth. Um, another man, John Bunyan, I was thinking about his conversion, uh, who was a, a Baptist preacher and he wrote the book Pilgrim's Progress. He spent over, around 13 years in prison for preaching the gospel and, uh, and he too spoke of his own conversion that he said... When he began to perceive that salvation is not from anything that comes from man or that man can do, but that it is from God, and that it, to possess it, he must uh, to possess it, he must um, uh, exercise faith in in Christ. Um, that it was then that his life truly began to transform, and he said that uh, these truths. He said his happiness was now as intense as his misery had been. And as he describes his own understanding of these things. So, justification by faith alone. Um, We've seen Paul's statement here in in the book of Romans. Uh, Turn over just for a moment to the book of Philippians. Philippians. Philippians 3, and you see again, Paul continually is reminding the Christians of this great reality. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Um, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel listen to what he says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so it is this uh, renouncing any merit that we might have in and of ourselves before God and casting ourselves completely upon what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And so, faith is uh, it's, it's, the, its basically trust. You could think of faith as trust, that, that, that it's not just a matter of agreeing with the information about Jesus Christ, that He was a a man, the Son of God, that He came as the Messiah, that He died on the cross for sins and that He rose again on the third day. You could agree with those things intellectually, but that's still not exercising faith in Christ. Um, You could even say that you believe they're true, that yes, I believe Jesus really did rise from the grave, and yet that still is not the essence of putting your faith in Christ. There is this third uh, element to it. You have you know, the cognitive knowledge in your mind of what is true. You, You agree with it. You assent to the information. But then there is this exercising of faith where you cast yourselves upon Christ and you trust in His sufficiency for yourself. And that is, is what saving faith is. It is this trusting in Christ. It is this resting in what he has done. It is this, what Paul said, that I will renounce anything that I could have boasted in, my heritage, my, zeal, uh, my, my zealous uh, religion that I had, my, my lineage to the tribe of Benjamin. All of that is nothing. And Paul forsakes any merit that he would have in himself and he casts himself Upon Christ, and so this is what uh, at the heart of the Protestant Reformation is what the the uh, reformers were teaching and uh, many to follow. Um, this is what we teach today: that we are not to look to the things we do to justify ourselves, but we are to look to Christ alone. And um, sadly, you know, there's been recent. Uh, conferences or meetings with leaders from the Catholic Church and those from Protestant churches, from evangelical churches, and, and what they're wanting to do is to say that we agree, that, that we're actually the same, that we can look at one another and say, you're my brother in Christ, where, that we're fellow Christians, and yet they will not acknowledge that salvation is by faith alone. By faith, yes, so I don't want to misrepresent uh, the Catholic faith. They do acknowledge the place of faith. The problem is, is that it's not faith alone. That, that at baptism as an infant, you are... Uh, you are Essentially, your original sin is, is removed at baptism as an infant in the Catholic Church. And then if you don't fall from grace, you continue to uh, add to that merit by uh, penance, by um, you know, praying to the saints who can give you grace, and uh, you do it by um, confession. And, and these things are done to, in a sense, build your merit before God. And if a person falls from grace, they commit a mortal sin, then there are are more things they must do to restore their standing to God. Um, R.C. Sproul helped in explaining the difference. um, And uh, there's a lot of really, you know, big, fancy terminology that I won't attempt to to use. But you think about an equation like 2 plus 2 equals 4. What's true on the one side is true on the other, right? you have two plus two here and four. It's the exact same. That is really the view of of the Catholic faith doctrine of of justification, that it is once a Christian, a, a professing believer, is righteous, becomes righteous, achieves righteousness, then they are counted righteous by God. But this doctrine of justification by faith alone is not like that. And rather, there is something added to the equation. There is something brought in from the outside that wasn't there. And so you, you have a statement um, that, um, you know, you could say, uh, you know, all, all uh, bachelors are, are single men. And that's true, right? So that would be a, a statement, again, true on this side, true on this side. But if you add something to it, all bachelors, um, bachelor, or the bachelor is rich, then that's not true of all bachelors. And this is what... It gets technical, I I understand. But this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about we're righteous because we've become righteous, because we've achieved righteousness. Rather, something is brought into us. Something is applied to us that was not ours. And it is this alien righteousness of Christ that Paul is talking about. It is this righteousness by faith that we are gifted the work of Christ on the cross, His own righteousness, is gifted to us, and this happens by faith, faith alone. Now, you might think, well, that's fine for the 16th century, but we're in the 21st century. This isn't really an issue anymore, is it? I mean, we don't really struggle with, am I justified by faith alone? And yet, you can talk to people and ask them, why do you think you are saved? What evidence, you know, if I was to ask you, are are you saved? um, How would you know? And and a lot of times people will answer, well, I was baptized. Well, I, I prayed this prayer, or I walked this aisle, or I did this, I did that. And, and you see what's happening. There is this subtle but important shift away from this doctrine of justification by faith alone. The only answer that we can give to our justification is, I am looking to Christ I am not looking to anything that I have done. I have done nothing. Christ has done everything. I have cast myself upon Him. That is my only hope. My only hope of standing righteous before God is that I am clothed in Christ And so even in our thinking we must be careful that I'm not, you know, I do my devotions today and I didn't yell at my children and I kissed my wife goodbye, so today I'm doing pretty good. I think God is pretty pleased with with my behavior and I think when I stand before Him on Judgment Day that that I'm going to be okay if I die today. That is a returning back to works. Uh, We must continually remind ourselves that we are justified by faith alone. All of our merit, all of our hope before God must rest in Christ alone. Uh, Even as we sang this morning, nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is the anthem of the Christian, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I claim no other merit in my life but Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that there's no benefit to having a godly heritage, or to doing your daily devotions, or to praying, or to not yelling at your children. These are good Christian things. But do you see when we talk about the issue of our justification, of our standing before God, that must be in Christ alone. And then the outworkings of that reality uh, uh, play itself out, which we won't get into today. Um, One author described it this way, Guy Waters. He said, In union with Christ, the believer comes into possession of our Lord's obedience and satisfaction for his justification. Faith is the sole instrument by which he receives and applies Christ and his righteousness in justification. By faith alone, the believer receives for his justification what Christ has done. And that's exactly what we just read from Paul in a few places it, and so, faith alone, uh, it's not that we think that faith is what saves us. Um, faith is nothing in and of itself. I mean, I can have faith that tomorrow there's going to be a million dollars in my bank account. So what? It doesn't mean anything. I could have faith that I can step out of this building and I can fly. So what? It doesn't change anything. The, the key is not the faith itself, but rather what the faith is in this is why Jesus would say, "Faith—the uh, grain of a mustard seed—is is powerful enough to move mountains." Why? Because it is faith in God. That's why it's powerful. It's not that we must somehow generate this all-powerful faith, but rather we just simply cast ourselves upon God Himself and we trust in His power, in His grace to rescue us. Um, and so, faith is the instrument. Um, what the old te- the old uh, preachers would cause? They would say that faith is the 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 instrumental cause. So the the work is done by Christ. The power is God's. His Spirit is the one who applies it. The instrument is faith. And uh, you could imagine building a house. And sometimes you know they get a house that's. Uh, done or almost done and they put the sign out front and they have the name of the builder on there. Uh, You know, I was thinking of a builder in Grand Prairie, Durham Homes, and they would say house built by Durham Homes and, uh, you know, call this number if you want to buy it. You wouldn't necessarily say the house was built by, you know, the S-Wing hammer, although the hammer I guess nowadays it would be, you know, the DeWalt air nailer or, or rigid or something. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, there's this understanding there was instruments used in the building of this house. There was tools, there was hammers, there was saws, there was, uh, you know, brad nailers and paint, there was brushes. These tools were used, but the, the work was done by the builder. And that's exactly how faith works in the Christian's life. It is the instrument that God uses it is the, the tool through which we are united to Christ himself. And um, Paul, well, assuming Paul wrote Hebrews, I guess get a bit of a debate there, says that without faith is it impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards them who diligently seek him. Paul says that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, in Romans fourteen twenty three. So faith is this trusting in the fullness of Christ, casting ourselves upon him, and whatever is not done from this instrument of faith is sin, is opposed to God. And so uh, our entire life is to be a life of faith. So we'll just close... Um, just thinking about even faith itself um, as an expression of God's grace, as an expression of God's kindness to us. Because you would say, well, if we're to be saved by faith alone, and we must exercise faith, isn't that a work? Isn't that us doing that work for our salvation? Is this not then still about something that we have done but listen to what Paul says in ephesians three uh sorry, Ephesians one uh, verse st- starting at uh verse seven he says. In Him we have the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespass, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, in heaven and things on earth. And so we have this this purpose, this plan of God, and then as we go down farther in, uh, in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, he goes on to describe this grace, this work of God that he's done through Christ. He says in uh, chapter 2, verse 6, "...and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now listen to what Paul says in in regards to our salvation, our justification, our our, uh, deliverance from sin. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul says grace is, is what has worked in us, God's grace, and it has worked through faith as God's Spirit opens our eyes to the glory of Christ and we see Christ for the first time as our sacrifice, as our, um, our substitute. We then cast ourselves in saving faith upon Christ And we are delivered. And Paul says all of this is the gift of God and that we actually have no grounds for boasting in what we have done. We are the workmanship of Christ. And so we stand with the apostles, with Christ. We stand with the church fathers and we say, by faith alone can man be justified. By faith alone can I be made right with God. And, and so I encourage you to continue. If you've already placed your faith in Christ, you're looking to Him for salvation, to continue to preach that gospel to yourself, Remind yourself every day, Christ alone is my substitute, and it is by trusting Him alone that I have hope to stand before God. And when the devil comes against you, and when he condemns you because of your sin, when he condemns you because of your failure, you can again point to the cross and say, you know what, you're right, Satan, you're right, I am a failure, I have sinned, I have broken God's law, but I have a perfect substitute. And you again cast yourself upon Christ by faith, looking to him alone, and remind the devil of the work of Christ, of his victory uh, that Christ won on the cross over the devil. Remind the devil of what is coming for all those who look to Christ, the glorification of all things. And if you've not looked to Christ, if you're still thinking that, well, when I stand before God, I, you know, I think I've done some good things, I've been good to my brothers and sisters, I've never stole anything, I haven't lied, I haven't killed anyone, so I think I'll be okay. But the problem with that thinking is you're thinking on one level, and that is between you and your fellow man. But there is a greater level in which you will be tested and that is between you and your creator, God, whose law is perfect, whose ways are perfect, who is infinitely holy. And when you measure your life against him, you begin to see, as Paul did, all of your striving, all of your works are rubbish. They are as filthy rags and you need a substitute. And so I urge you to flee to Christ Place your trust in him. Call out to him to cover you in his righteousness, and he will receive you. So let us pray as we close, and um, I hope that you uh, just rejoice afresh over this great truth that we are truly justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Let's pray. Lord God, Thank you for this time together and for each uh, believer here, Lord. And and Lord, we do marvel that we are part of a great heritage that has has been going for centuries, Lord. For thousands of years, men and women have died for this gospel, Lord, have died so that we can hold the scriptures in your hand. And Father, while we know there are many controversies that go at times, I pray that we could stand and rejoice in these foundations that we have we share, Lord, with all believers that, uh, Lord, you are our great Redeemer, that, that faith alone uh, in Christ alone is our hope, and that you would just rekindle these, these uh, truths in our hearts in these days. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in today to the sermon. I preached at Fairview Cornerstone Baptist Church. And again, if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at church at fairviewcornerstone.com. God bless.